Jane is an all-in-one practice management software that can help you manage your practice with a suite of features that make it easy to meet with individuals, couples, families, and more. Here on Am I a Bad Therapist, we know that two of the most important things to us as therapists are confidentiality and our time. Thankfully, Jane understands that reliability and security are very important parts of running a private practice. Jane's cloud-based software is accessible wherever you have Wi-Fi, and their team is always ready to lend a helping hand. Jane is HIPAA and PEPITA compliant, and your data is stored safely in the country you practice in. So no matter where or how you practice, Jane's always with you in the most secure and helpful way possible. Not only does Jane help us protect our clients, but they help us protect our time too with features like calendar syncing, note templates, online booking, and they have automated reminders and workflows. Which you know we love on Am I a Bad Therapist? And you can learn more at jane.app slash mental health. You can also mention the code bad therapist for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. So, Catherine, we obviously share a lot with our clients. We give them different strategies, different things they can do, different things they can work on. But do you follow your own advice? Oh, hell no. I absolutely should meditate more than I do. I know. I should journal more. I create a lot. I do a lot of art things, but I'm not like a written journaler, but I feel like I should sometimes. I know. Words are my thing. (laughs) I feel like that tracks for us, though. It does track for us. So today we're going to hear from Alexa, who has a pretty big trauma response in the middle of a family therapy session. And she shares with us how she does not necessarily practice what she preaches and how she manages her reaction without the family noticing. And it is a tricky situation. I don't know how I would respond in that moment, but she definitely even, you know, in talking about it, it's like that age old question of what we do. Mm -hmm. And that answer that we always say is, It depends. So make sure to tune in and hear how Alexa managed this tricky situation. And as a reminder, we do not support actually bad therapy. That's why you should always have a consultation group by your side. So just remember that this episode is not a substitute for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself. All right. Well, this is episode number 63 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hey, Alexa. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my goodness. We cannot wait to get into your story. But before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Okay. Um, so I'm Alexa Del Pretty. This is my new last name. I just got married a month ago. So I'm like starting. It's like my little soft launch of starting to get used yes. to calling myself that. Um, but formerly Alexa and Sarah. Um, I own a private practice on uh, Staten Island, New York. Um, it's called Healthy Mind Mental Health Counseling. Uh, I'm going to be in my second year, September 1st. So it's been a lot, but it's been a great and amazing journey. Um, I specialize in trauma and grief. So it's some intense work, but it's just, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And I absolutely love the people I get to work with. Um, I serve a pretty diverse population with grief and trauma. I definitely, the ages vary. So I work with someone as young as like six years old to someone as old as like 60 years old. Um, so it's just been like an amazing journey being able to be a part of people's healing process and journeys. Um, I, let's see, what else? I went to school in Philadelphia. So I went to Thomas Jefferson University. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> um, I have I family that went there and I went to school in really? Philly. We have a lot of friends in Philly. So that's awesome. I love Jeff. Where did you go to school? I went to Widener in St. Joe's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so close. Um, so yeah, so I went to Thomas Jefferson and I got my undergrad in psychology and then my, my uh, master's in community and trauma counseling. Um, so being in Philly was really cool doing that program because we worked with like a lot of inner city youth and there's just so many amazing things there. Um, and then I moved back home and I moved back to New York and now I'm running my practice. I've worked in a couple of other, um, places, including a private practice before I opened my own, but I worked with, um, the developmental disability population, um, I worked with a lot of grief and children, so I have a lot of different experiences. Um, but yeah, and uh, some of the things that I'm involved in, I started a uh, social event in New York for therapists. Um, so it's called mm -hmm. The Therapist Social, and we get together once a month. And it's really casual. I don't like to call it a networking event because it's so much more like casual and real than just like giving out business cards and talking about all the good things that we do in our field. Mm -hmm. It's really like a bonding, like developing relationships. Like we drink, we eat really good Italian food and we just like get to be real people. And then we also support each other um, in all of the work that we do as well. So it's really fun. A lot of people have actually started building their own practices from this social because we have a lot of practice owners and people just like, you could do this. And we all just like empower each other and help to get them started in the process. So it's really cool. Um, and then the last that. thing that I also, one of my passion projects is I help uh, facilitate a free community mental health program. Um, it's a fitness and community mental health program called A Stronger You. Um, and it was started during COVID to just give an outlet for people who aren't really ready for therapy, but also like aren't, are like more into the fitness kind of world when it comes to dealing with things and using that as a coping outlet. So we combine that together and it's free for the community. It's an hour free workout. Um, and then we do like a 30 minute to 40 minute mental health discussion. And it just kind of breaks oh. that stigma and offers like a very cool peer to peer support group um, for adults. So it's been amazing. And it's a really cool uh, project that we're trying to expand on. That's so awesome. Very busy. Yeah. So many things. So <laughs> yeah. I, perfect. I'm so curious of like where your story happened and all of these things. So what made you yeah. question if you were a bad therapist? So last summer, um, it was in July and I was working with a family in private practice in my office. Um, one of my adolescent clients who has a lot of anxiety, um, she and her family came in and we were doing a group session around how they can better 
um, like handle her anxiety and, and when she goes through certain things, you know, how they could be a little bit more empathetic and, and things like that. And it was getting pretty intense. Um, and I'm sitting there and I, it was kind of like that, you know, those moments when like the families kind of go at it and you're just like giving yourself that second of just like, okay, like what am I, how am I going to approach this now? And what's my next move going to be? Um, I myself have a history of anxiety, which I didn't, uh, prior explain, but I have a history of anxiety and a lot of my anxiety revolves around safety. Um, so anything that like goes on in the world, like that, it doesn't have to even be anywhere close to me. It really does trigger that anxiety to come up for me. Um, so that will bring me to the the story. So we were in the office, they were having this conversation and um, the prior day, I live in New York City, so we live really close to Manhattan. Uh, the prior day, there was a bombing in one of the subways, like the day before. So I already was just like on it. Like my anxiety was super high. I just get like hyper aware of my surroundings, any little noise or anything that goes on. Um, and I'm sitting in a session and it's like a clear, beautiful, hot, sunny day. And all of a sudden there's this like crack of thunder and my brain automatically thought it was like a threat and it was dangerous. And I just went into like flight or fight and my body just started like shutting down on me. So I started almost feeling like I was going to pass out. Um, my vision and I passed out a bunch of times in the past. So I know exactly the signs and the, the red flags and my vision started getting fuzzy. My hearing started going like really like low and it was like that tunnel kind of hearing. I'm sweating. And I just felt that feeling of like, wow, you're going to pass out. And I looked at the family and they got spooked because it was really out of nowhere, this like thunder and the lightning actually hit the building next to us. So it was like really close. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And the father that was in the session, he is a retired firefighter in FDNY, like has like gone through so much and he got super afraid. So once I kind of saw him like be like, oh shit. <laughs> um, I was like, okay, like this is a threat. Like this is not like anything normal. Like we're gonna die. And my body just kind of took that for what it was or what I thought it was. And I just like started almost passing out in the session. Um, wow. And it was very scary because all I was thinking about was like, I have this family in front of me and like, are you about to go down? So I was like really trying to prevent myself from passing out in that moment. I. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and I don't know if I would be more afraid. And what does this say about me? I don't know if I'd be more afraid about dying and passing out and hurting myself or passing out and looking like an idiot in front of this, this family. What, yeah. <laughs> like where, where was your head in one camp or the other, or are you going back and forth? Yeah. I mean, at first, like my initial reaction was almost like, screw them. I want to run out of my office yeah. because like, if this is a bomb or like, yeah. if this is an explosion, which my head just automatically thought, for really no good reason. Um, I was like, almost just like, I'm going to leave them and I'm going to go protect myself. Um, but then there was this part of me that also was like, how embarrassing would it be if I like faint on the floor and my fa and this family that I've been serving for three years has to call 911 on me. And like, mm -hmm. it just, I was thinking a million different things in one second, but my automatic response was like pinching my inner thigh to just like prevent me from passing out. Cause I've, like I said, it's happened before. So I know kind of like how to get myself out of that and how to like ground my body to not pass out. Um, so yeah, it was just like a flu of different thoughts and emotions. And then I was just like doing all of this internally and the family just kept talking, like nothing happened. And I was like, wait a second, like there's no way they don't see that my face is super pale and like that I'm like kind of glazed over and not listening to them right now. And I didn't speak up either, which was why I felt like I was being a bad therapist. <laughs>
Yeah. I mean, I can imagine too, it sounds like almost like this revolving door of anxiety responding yeah. to the situation, but then you're also probably being anxious about passing out and then how you, it's like all the anxious thoughts. I yeah. could feel like I could see it just like spurring on even more anxiety. And right. it sounds like though you shared, they didn't seem to pick up on it in you the know. session. So <laughs> you're feeling like you're going to pass out. You're trying to ground yourself. What happens next? Did they notice? Did you say something? Where did this go? Yeah. So um, it didn't really go anywhere. Like we didn't have a conversation about it. I mean, I think that there was a point when I like felt like I was like feeling better and I wasn't going to pass out that I said like, wow, that was crazy. And I kind of like was still in it. Like my brain was like not paying attention to what they were saying. And I was definitely still in the, I can't believe I almost just fainted in front of this family. Um, And how embarrassing and like ridiculous also because it was thunder, you know? And that's why I also feel like this is, you know, hypocritical or it's, it's ironic because I'm a trauma therapist and like I focus a lot on neuropsychology and like all of our stress responses and the physiological behind all of like trauma reactions and stuff. And I'm sitting there judging myself and being so hard on myself because I'm a human and like who that was so unexpected. Um, but it's silly because it was just thunder, you know? So after the family kind of continued to talk and I think they realized like at one point that I kind of maybe wasn't paying so much attention. They were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just, I don't know. That just, I was like, that spooked me. Like that was such a loud thunder and it was so unexpected. It's not raining out, you know? So my, my body's taking in what's in my environment and it's like, oh, okay. Like there's no reason that you should have heard that loud, you know, thunder. Um, but automatically I went to that really scary place. So it, it wasn't a conversation then, but then I met with the tra- the adolescent after that, um, prior just us two or in our next session, and she noticed it. And she said, did you get scared like when that thunder happened last week? And she is someone that is very easily triggered and like the wrong thing. She's also on the autism spectrum. So she's high, very high functioning, but very black and white thinking. So if I said, you know, I got really nervous because I thought that was something, you know, that wasn't thunder. I think that kind of, she would have took on that anxiety herself and it would have been a really hard thing for her to move forward from. Like, I just saw you get so scared. Um, You know, is this something I should now, you know, insert new fear and insert new anxiety um, because we were working so hard around that. So, you know, there was a lot of things that were at play there. And I had a conversation with her and I said, you know what? I didn't really handle my own well-being so well during that situation because I was more afraid of being silly or getting embarrassed and actually triggering your anxiety. And I use it as a learning opportunity with her. We have that relationship where I felt comfortable doing so. Um, But it was just such a really outrageous situation. And now, like I said, looking back, it's hilarious. Um, But I still meet with the family and I cannot help like whenever I see the parents, like just think about like what could have happened, you know, me actually passing out on the floor and them having to call 911 and like how weird that would be. And how do I tell you know, the paramedics, I just passed out because I heard thunder, you know, um, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it can be. I feel like that's it, when things come up in session for ourselves, I feel like I've had not like the exact same situation, but things come up where maybe I felt triggered or I was feeling anxious already. And it's like, how do we figure out like how much to self-disclose? We don't want to make a session about us ever, yeah. but if it is parent, it's like, is it like weighing the option of like, is it better to say something if they notice right. I'm feeling like discomfort? It's and there isn't a good answer for it. And I feel like it's always case by case, but it is just so difficult. And I always kind of go in my mind, I'm like, again, I don't want to make this about me. I don't want to insert my stuff into right. my client session. But I do think there is also somebody said for 
showing our humanity mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. when our clients seeing us, we have anxiety too. Like, you know, we're not just this like robot sitting on the other side of the chair from them, right. but it's such a delicate balance that it's, it's like, and you have to go through it in your head so quickly. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's, you know, just with everything with the pandemic too, it was such a trying time for everybody. And I feel like therapists, like we're in this like never before space where you were working during such a tragic, like hard time for the whole world, like globally, right? It wasn't just like isolated to a certain place. And you had to kind of be that facade for a long time of like, I'm like, just cool as a cucumber and like, everything's fine. And like, I'm dealing with this pandemic perfectly. So now I'm able to help you deal with it. But in hindsight, like we all were in our own homes, like for safety and like trying to also navigate being anxious about our family members, or obviously some people, some of us have people that we know that lost their lives during that time and just all of the other emotions and stuff that went on. So I feel like we were like, you know, modern therapists are trying to break that barrier that we're kind of taught in in grad school of like being that facade. And then we had this pandemic happen and like, we're all living through it together. And you kind of feel like I had to go back to that facade because I can't let that show as much because it was such an ongoing thing. Like there wasn't a bookend, you know, it was just like, whenever this ends, it ends. And I have to just be this therapist that is going to act like it's not affecting me as much as it is. So I feel like it was a weird time for this all to happen as well, because it was kind of coming off of that. I was back in in in-person therapy. You know, I felt like I just got my feet on the ground again with like feeling confident being in that space because I kind of lost a little bit of that, like confidence being virtual for so long. Like it's just such a different dynamic. Um, And then I, you know, I had this real human moment where I'm like, okay, like you can't hide, like you can't run from your own anxiety and your own humanity. And it is okay to show that to your clients. And I think I have the best relationships with the clients who I do have that just human way about me, you know, and, and I, I'm just me. Um, because I think that's another thing that we get in our head a lot. Sometimes as therapists, like I'm sometimes in a session, I'm like, am I being too me right now? Am I being too much of myself? You know, and that should never feel like a negative thing to question. Um, but it is because it's just like reversing what you're taught for so many years and like the people that came before us in this field. This feels like a really great place to pause for an ad break. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Are clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Hey, listeners. It's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself, and I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.care. Allie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. 
Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website, cccs.care, and sign up for free today. And now let's circle back to the show. Oh, I can so relate to that, being too much or feeling like you're being too much of yourself. Absolutely, especially in the therapy session. And I'm wondering, do you think you would have approached this differently? I love the way you're talking about bringing your humanness, bringing your humanity, showing your mm-hmm. own emotions. Do you think you might have handled this differently or approached it differently had you had this been with a family that you had just met or someone, a family you didn't have three years of rapport with? Because that's a big right. relationship. Did that, yeah. has that ever happened? Did that ever cross your mind how you would handle this if it was a new client? I feel like I might have excused myself if it was a new client. Like, mm. I feel like I might have handled it a little bit better. I mean, I would like to think I would. Maybe there was a comfort in knowing, like, you know, I do know this family for a long time. The parents are just like such nurturing, loving, good people that, like, if God forbid I had this situation escalate the way that I, you know, thought it was going you know, I know I would have felt safe and it wouldn't have been the end of the world. So maybe like me sitting in it and being like, okay, like I'm going to be okay. Or they're going to pick up on like, are you okay? And like, maybe that would be my outlet to be like, you know, like I just need a second to go to the bathroom. You know, maybe I was just putting a lot of confidence that they were going to take care of me, which is exactly what I didn't want because I'm sitting there the whole time. Like, don't let your clients take care of you. Right. Like don't have something happen where they need to tend to you. Um, so it's a good question. I don't know. Maybe if, if I was like in that place of like meeting someone, you know, maybe the first couple of times and I was, you know, I had a different dynamic with them, I would have been a little bit maybe more professional and said like, I'm going to excuse myself real quick. Like I need to use the bathroom. And I don't know. It's, it's a good question to ask, but I would like to think maybe I would handle it differently. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe it would have been the same. Yeah. Right. I do yeah. love Maybe that- I would have passed out. <laughs> I love that your, your <laughs> child client like actually picked up on you being scared. That must she did. I like felt seen and heard for you when yeah when you shared that. Yeah, and I was proud of her too because empathy is a little hard for her. Um, and sometimes picking up on like social cues, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, she is on the autism spectrum, and it's something we work on for herself, right? Like just identifying things, you know, that she goes through in her own social life. So when she noticed that I wasn't okay, I was like really proud of her too to just say like you know, that's so awesome that you were able to pick up that I looked uncomfortable or there was something in my nonverbals that were telling you like, she's not okay. Um, So I also like did highlight that with her as well. Um, Because that's hard for her too. sometimes with her own family and, you know, people that are going through things that are a little intense, like she lacks that empathy or being able to understand. So I was definitely proud of her for that. And it was interesting that she did and not her parents. Mm, yeah. I feel like this is one of those things where you could never plan for it, but sometimes these unexpected situations that come up in the therapy room end yeah. up being such a great like learning opportunity. And again, you can't really recreate it. You can't no. set the stage, but sometimes <laughs> that learning can come from something really, really unexpected. And it sounds like even for you, for yourself, we can yeah. learn from it as therapists, mm-hmm. but also for the client, how it came into it. Um, and I feel like even I would have I don't know in the moment, but hearing this sitting on the other side is much easier. I would have been like, Mm -hmm. oh, should I like, would it be appropriate to say like, oh, this is like a startle response or this is kind of a response. Like I'm going to just ground myself really quick. But it's like so hard Mm -hmm. because you don't know in that moment what's appropriate. I think maybe if I saw the family kind of also being like dysregulated or sitting be like, oh, let's all ground ourselves right Right. now. Let's all take a pause. Things like that. Um, 
but again, it's just dependent on the situation. Um, yeah. I'm curious. You shared the dad. You kind of like noticed he had some, you know, response to it as well. Did he seem to just move forward pretty quickly? Did he seem dysregulated? Like, or did that impact the session or did it just kind of go, you know, unnoticed? Yeah. So I think, so like I mentioned, he's a firefighter. So I know he also like went through 9-11 and, you know, that was an experience that he had. So at first I kind of maybe like thought that was going to be something more for him. And when I saw him kind of get uncomfortable or he got, you know, startled, I was like, okay, like this isn't so ridiculous or, you know, irrational because someone else in the room who's, you know, typically a man that has gone through a lot and has seen a lot, like also got startled over the thunder like I did. Um, And he kind of brushed past it. And the reason like why I even brought up the dad was because he also has like a very mellow personality. And I know that the mom has like, you know, said in the past that he doesn't really get bothered or burdened. Mm-hmm. Like nothing bothers him. He doesn't really show anxiety. Like he doesn't really show anger. So he seems to be just a very mellow, calm person. So when I did see him, you know, originally get startled, I was like, oh, like this is someone that this is so out of character because I know, you know, from what I hear about him that he doesn't even really understand like his daughter's anxiety. So it's like hard for him to kind of relate to her because he doesn't understand like where this comes from and you know um so yeah so it wasn't like something i was able to hone in on and be like you know what like i i we all just got startled like let's kind of at first i thought that they would have dragged it out longer um just because of the initial like everyone jumping and then they just went in right into talking again and i was just like delayed response like wait a second my body's shutting down my vision is getting fuzzy like I don't know what to do here. You guys are okay. Now we have, we don't have this thing to relate to where I can be like, all right, like let's all just, you know, come down. And I think in the, in the future, even if they didn't, and if there's ever a situation where something happened that that was like this, I would want to just say, you know, I just need a second, you know, like that just, you know, kind of startled me more than I expected. Um, Because I don't think that it has to be a joint reaction. You know, we are individual and like for me to be doing my job efficiently, I should have, you know, kind of calmed myself down for a second and just been transparent of like, yeah, that really bothered me. Like, let me just take a breath here. You know, just like I would if someone was telling me something in a session that was, you know, going through some type of trauma experience and it was intense or it was hitting a chord with me. I deal with grief and, you know, I work with grief every day and I have my own grief, which is why I even got into this field, right? So there's times where that happens too. And like, I'm so much more willing to say, wow, like, you know what, like that actually touched me personally too. Like, let's take a second and, you know, whatever. And I didn't do that, you know? So I, it's weird how I think in that moment, maybe because it was a little bit irrational for me or I was embarrassed, it wasn't something that I was like as transparent about, you know, whereas, you know, my clients know, like I have my own history of grief. I share that, you know, inappropriate ways with certain clients and, it's easier for me to just be like, oh my God, like that reminds me of my own griefs. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a very different experience. So, you know, you're talking a lot about your own experiences and you definitely had a big one in this moment, a big trauma response. And not only yeah. like a trauma response is bad enough, but then you had a trauma response in session where then you went through the complications <laughs> of having the family see you with the trauma response and how to deal with yeah. the trauma response with the family. So a lot's going on in your internal world. How did you get support for this outside of that session? Definitely my own therapy. Um, I, at that time, like I said, I, my, this anxiety that I experience has been since I'm a very young kid. So I've been in and out of therapy at different times. Like I said, there's different world situations that go on that 
or just things that, you know, in my personal life that heightened that. So right before this had happened, there was something, I guess, going on and I was in therapy again. So I was really lucky to have that support. Um, definitely talking about it with my family. I remember right after the session happened, I was supposed to have a second session after like my last of the day. I ended up canceling because I just felt so depleted mm-hmm. and I felt like I needed to catch my breath and take care of myself that I ended up rescheduling that session. You know, which again, those things also lead to those, am I being a bad therapist? Now I'm canceling on someone else to take care of myself. But in retrospect, that was a good thing because I don't think I would have been super present for them and it wouldn't have been probably productive. Um, and I and I did actually with that client, I was a little more transparent just saying, you know, I really am not feeling well and, you know, I, I need to take, you know, the rest of the day off and, you know, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. So um, that was how I supported myself. I think in the past, I might've just kind of went through the rest of the day, but luckily it wasn't like I had six more clients, you know, mm-hmm. it was my last. Mm-hmm. Um, and supervision. I had mm-hmm. a friend, even though I wasn't getting, you know, supervision for licensing hours, I was paying for supervision at that time because of COVID getting back into it. I just felt like I needed that extra support. So I definitely called my friend who was supervising me at the time. And I was like, you'll never believe what just happened. And we went through it and she normalized it for me. And I think that was just having her support always makes me feel way better because she's also someone that goes through a lot of her own anxiety and, you know, she has a really good way of managing it in a professional life too. So I reached out, that's for sure. I'm not someone that doesn't reach out when I need that because we always need that. Oh, we always do. When we always yeah. talk about so much, how much we love and how important it is to have your support system set up in advance. Like you already had, you know, this friend who was also supervising you so that when these unexpected things come up, you have a go-to. You don't have mm-hmm. to then search for support mm-hmm. while you're not yeah. feeling great. You already have it set. So we love to hear that. Um, so Alexa, what would you say to a clinician if they were experiencing something similar, maybe if they got dysregulated in a session and had similar responses, or if they found themselves in a situation, what right. would you say to them? I think transparency, I think is just key, you know, and like really just being okay with being like human and having those human experiences, you know, I'm sure you know, that probably would have looked super dramatic. And I'm sure it it probably would have been like, you know, wow, like, I can't believe that she's telling me that like, she's anxious, and she needs to go to the bathroom for a second, you know, or, you know, however I would word it, I do think that like, our clients learn the most from us, right. And we do so much modeling for them. And we talk about these hypothetical scenarios, and, you know, what the best problem solving solutions would be, and, you know, how they can take care of themselves. And I just feel like, you know, in even in our everyday life, right? Like I know that sometimes we do feel hypocritical because we're like, oh, I'm telling this person, you know, to have a routine and to do this and to practice this and try this. And like, I look at myself sometimes, I'm like, I'm not doing these things and I probably should be, you know? And I know that that's just human nature and that's also very normal for a lot of, you know, our work. Um, but for any other clinician that would have any kind of experience like this, I just think the transparency would have been a good opportunity for a relationship to build. Um, and I also think just for your own well-being so that you don't feel like you're torturing yourself and you're only, you know, you have to worry about yourself. Cause I was so checked out of that session the rest of the time, you know, and like, it's, you know, I hate to admit that, but it happens, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't stop focusing on, is this it? Am I going to be okay? Mm-hmm. Is it going to thunder again? And is this going to happen again? Or, you know, like the whole time I was just super distracted. So for me and for the client and the family, I think it would have just been better to be transparent and to just, you know own up to the human experience and, and use it as a teachable moment, you know, of, of how could you take care of yourself if these things happen to you? 
And modeling and normalizing yeah. all of the things, all of the things. Right. Yeah. Even the judgment. I was judging mm-hmm. myself so hard of mm-hmm. like, you know, that I keep saying it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's irrational. And yeah. it, it does now in hindsight, it feels like that, you know, but um, in the moment, you know, and where I was in that place already because of, you know, like I said, the triggering of what happened the day before in the city and just my own anxiety and, and the patterns I get into, anything will startle me, you know, and, and it happens all the time. So when I'm in that hyper arousal kind of state, um, it's not irrational for something really loud to make mm-hmm. me feel that way. But now in hindsight, obviously, it feels kind of irrational. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, again, this I I don't know. I feel like I have to say it, though. I don't think it's irrational. Like, I I don't know. I, I feel like it makes sense. Even like recently, um, we were outside um, at home and a lightning hit a boat like down the road and the yeah. thunder was so loud and our neighbor was outside too. And we all jumped up and we're like, oh my God, yeah. like, what was that? Is everything okay? Like, I feel like it does make sense. So I almost want to ask you to give yourself some grace yeah, and not say that it's irrational, <laughs> but that's the therapist in me. But Alexa, <laughs> we're so grateful for you sharing your story. Um, if our listeners want to connect with you outside of the podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, um, I have an Instagram. It's Healthy Mind MHC, um, and then our website is the same. It's healthymindmhc.com. Um, I like to post lots of reels, and we make lots of fun videos, just normalizing the client and the therapist experience. So you could definitely check that out. And if you are in the New York area, Staten Island, or any of the boroughs, um, I do host that therapist social event. It is an in-person event, but it's so fun. It's monthly. We're going to be restarting again in September because we took a break for the summer. Um, So if anyone's interested, the flyers and and all that information will be posted on there as well. That's awesome. I'm not too far. Hopefully I can make it up for one. Yeah, that would be so cool. I'd love it. Well, Alexa, thank you so much for coming on and I cannot wait to connect with you more outside of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to meet you guys and I listen all the time. Uh, So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And that's it. The OG bad therapists, Allie and Catherine are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15 minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind from clinical work to podcasting. We're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at air effect And don't forget, we're all bad therapists. <laughs>